Hello and welcome to the Headstuff Podcast. I'm here with Paddy. How are you doing? Uh, I'm forcing Paddy to be here because I don't want to be here on my own. Um, it's been a very long time since our last episode, so sorry about that. Paddy. It's been a while. It's been, it's been ages. But uh, we got the opportunity to talk to Barry Crimmins, or I did. I just talked to him on the phone. This, if it sounds like he's on the phone, it's because he's on the phone. Yeah, so it sounds exactly how it is. Yeah, like he's on the phone. Uh, but, but Barry Crimmins is playing in the Sugar Club tomorrow night if you're listening to this today or to, or tonight if you're listening to this tomorrow or if you're listening to it after that he's already played in Toshi yeah. but basically it's Tuesday the 27th of September in the Sugar Club there's a link and everything in the show notes to this episode um, and everybody should go and see him he's absolutely incredible and um, just basically just listen to this so Without trying to, to go too far down the hack journalism route, uh, right. I just want to know if you have been in Ireland, if you have done gigs here before. No. You haven't? No. Um, and you have you been here to visiting? It's my, no. Ah. Okay. I'm really looking forward to it. It's my heritage. Is it? Spo- yeah, I was supposed to go a couple of times and just things happened. Right, Maybe, right. You know, I was, yeah, George Bailey out of it. <laughs> so um, you're looking forward to it um, very much so ok well very that's cool there so. seems to be there seems to be a fair few people talking about you over here now so well it's very it's very I mean judging by the social media and the things I've heard also just I feel like well you know it'll be nice to go to a country civilized enough to investigate the Catholic Church yeah. <laughs> I don't know I don't know if you should come here expecting it to be too civilized but um, yeah <laughs> well you don't remember where I'm coming from. So. That's true. Uh, Relatively speaking. So, how, like, can you explain to us what's happening there? Like, what, why why are yeah, these your well, presidential about, candidates? You know, it's going to take an hour or two, an hour and a half on stage to just kind of lay it out, lay out the, you know, infrastructure. But, right. yeah, I can, I can tell you. it's. So you're, you're like mean, the... Uh, you're very like the com- simply, very simply, uh, you know like, you know, it's a traditional election we're being asked. It's a really extreme version of a traditional election. We're being asked if we want to be hit in the nose with an anvil or a mallet. <laughs> and so, um, and of course, we're all getting behind the mallet now. Uh, right, yes. But, yeah. uh, uh, you know, as far, I know when you ask what's going on there that you're, you're speaking about Trump because you're used to the Clintons going on here. And, um, and actually, the Clintons seem to behave well when they're near Ireland. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you know, they stop wars. They try to stop wars. They start them. You know, anyway. I feel a bit like, even though Hillary isn't exactly an excellent, excellent candidate, she'll probably try to just kind of continue the work of Obama. Is that, would that be accurate? Or? Well, that, that's what Trump's saying. Um Oh, is that a bad thing? <laughs> well, I mean, to some extent, I think she's to the right of Obama. <clears throat> I think she's, uh, you know, uh, I mean, she's re- she's a hawk, and she's she's probably even me more beholden to the corporations in Wall Street, right? Big banks and so on than Obama is, you know, or most, you know, auto racers. Um, <laughs> so, but anyway, <clears throat> we're at the point, I mean, you know, we get this either-or thing in this country, and then we get dogmatic, we get, you know, whoever, whichever side we choose, we dogmatically defend yes. our candidate and dogmatically attack the other. Yeah. In this case, you don't have to be that dogmatic to come up with a complaint against the other, but in, in particular, Trump, who... Uh, to me, it kind of dovetails into another issue I care about. Really speaks to people's self-loathing. Right. Oh, like, hate yourself? Yeah. Well, yes, I do. <laughs> so does Donald Trump. He hates you, too. Well, it's about time we had someone who hates me as much as I hate myself. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Now we're getting somewhere. Yeah. And it's a census of how many people loathe themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's a worrying trend. Issues, you know, 
It's a worrying trend to watch from a distance as well, um, because you're you're very you're correct about the dogmatic thing. It's it, it f- from here. It seems like everybody in, and it's clearly not everybody, but what it seems like online is that everybody in the states is aggressively in one camp or the other, and there's no gray area. There's nobody in between. Yeah, and I mean, well, I mean, the area is not that gray, but it's just there's a, there's other area, you know. There's other area. Yeah. But we have such a net, the political spectrum in this country goes from center right to far right, really, by right. an international standard, anyway. Yeah. And yeah. we have no sense of that from yeah. here. But that's similar here as well. Yeah. We don't really have a left. We've got we've got grades of right. Um, that's right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. I now I'm, but I'm not about. To, you know. I can't straighten out Ireland. I think that's my. I think my people understood that. <laughs> Well, you're coming over here to to do that, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I can report. I mean, I think it's my job when I get over there more to, you know, I mean, we'll have a few laughs, but uh, uh, um, it'll probably mostly be about, you know, I, I've been here five minutes, and here's what you have to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I've been here 63 years. Right. And I got a few ideas about what we need to do. Yeah. So, so it's maybe not spending as much money as the rest of the world on militarism, you know, combined. That's an idea. And, and equally helping pay for like another big slice of that other half, mm. uh, you know, and then wondering why, you know, and then being upset about the government giving you know, cheese to poor people. It's not really. Yeah. Income. We could probably afford a lot more cheese. <laughs> Uh, that leads into and two a better things. infrastructure if we weren't investing in how to blow up everybody else's. That maybe if we just stopped preparing for World War Two, we could save some money too. Yeah, it's kind of constantly in a state of being oh, ready for the next war, isn't it? Yeah, well, and it's yeah, and 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 it's you know literally we don't have enough battleships. Right. Well, the last time a battleship was in a, a actual battle where there were other battleships was the Battle of Leyte, L-E-Y-T-E, Gulf, in the Philippines in 1944, maybe it was 43, I can't remember, 44 or 43. All I know is my father was in it. Oh, he right. died. Wow. He, yeah, he died 23 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so and it was the biggest, and I think that battle was so horrible, I think they decided, I don't know, there just haven't been a lot of naval battles since then. Yes. Uh, you know, the ocean was on fire and full of sharks, and one ship after the next went into it. It was really horrid. Wow. Uh, so, um, you know, and you hear these people, we're down to X number of battles. It's like, we don't, you know, what are you using battleships for? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they have they can fire anything they want off these other ships. It's whatever. I, I Then I don't want to even get into the military logistics of it because, you know... I've been embraced pacifism for many years now, and I know that there are people in Ireland. But you know, people ask me in this country, if you're a pacifist, why wouldn't you? You know, what would you have done about World War II? And to which my answer is, I wouldn't have started World War One. Yeah, <laughs> I don't get that upset about archdukes. So, um, <laughs> dear God, not archduke Ferdinand. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you walk, you ride around an open touring car with that hat on. You're kind of asking for it. <laughs> So, um, anyway, I, you know, but I mean, the amount of money we spend on militarism is just, it's just insane. It's just a big racket and we keep, and you know, I mean, we're prepared. We have, you know, we could go out on any battlefield you could find and get into a tank war if we could find someone else that would do that. But that's not what's going to happen anymore. Mm. And because we've inflicted our big, mighty, over-muscled military on the rest of the world so much, they found other ways to come back at us. I, I can't imagine the Irish people could relate to that at all. <laughs> <laughs> we have a few tricks up our sleeves. Yeah, <laughs> foreign concept to them. <laughs> you know, thank you for wearing red. Um, <laughs> so, but that's you know, this stuff, I mean, we get in these wars where we go and plant a big flag, la la, say we won, and, and uh, the flag is a target, and there you go. And then we pour in more weapons, and then eventually, 
people get tired of being in a war that there was no need for, and we leave and we forget to bring the weapons, and then turns out a lot of people have weapons. Yeah, yeah. You know. So your your one of the, one of your quotes in um, your documentary, "Call Me Lucky," is the uh, "I'd like to overthrow the government of the United States and to yes, close peace. the Catholic Church." Yes. Um, yeah, we all got to do our, you know. If I can do that, I'll feel like I've done my little part. Yeah, um, that, yeah that wouldn't yeah. be. You you'd probably get yeah. a paragraph in a history book if you did both of those yeah, things. Yeah. Um, but I mean, peacefully. Yeah. Oh yeah. Maybe just sort of democratically renovate the United States to include. I mean, you know, we don't even have direct democracy here. Yeah. This, this presidential election. You know, this is something I'll probably try to explain, but I mean, you know, people talk about the popular vote as if it meant anything. It doesn't. It's it's what states you win. Yeah. You win a state, you it's it's winner takes all in every state except for Maine and Nebraska, where it's it's you know it's split up a little bit. You win this part of the state, you know, they divide up their electoral vote a little bit, but the rest of the country it. That's that. You win the state. You you win by one vote. You win every uh, elector in the state, and whatever that is. Yeah. And they haven't told us. And uh, <laughs> um, they have, but it's really you give up after a while figuring it out. And and then you go on to the next state. So it comes. It always comes down to three or four states, maybe if it's close. You know. So. They really will be campaign, campaigning in, in uh, uh, you know, uh, it, it comes out, you know, I could name 10 states and it won't be beyond that in any election. Right. Because well, they're going to go one way or the other. Yeah. So it's just, anyway, in the either or stuff. You know, you got people that will tell you who they're going to vote for in 2000 and, you know, 2032. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, Alabama will be a red state in 2032. That's it. You know, and b- by the way, how the the reactionaries ended up with the red color coding is just typical of our sort of international political literacy in this country. Yeah, didn't didn't the parties kind of switch? Like, didn't it used to be that the Republicans were more liberal? And well, it, I mean, the Republicans were more liberal. No, what I mean is that we we're down to red and blue. Yes. But the red states are the right wingers. Yeah. You know? And red traditionally was associated with. They did such a job destroying the left in this country that, you know, Joe McCarthy and so on, that red doesn't, you know, people don't even remember the color code. <laughs> so, so yeah. uh, um, although the Democrats might have had something to do with it, they didn't want to be called red, you know? Right. So, uh, I'm sure they were running away from it, too. So who knows who who did it? Right. But uh, but you know it doesn't exist anyway. And and there's so much talk in this country about well if there were just more bipartisan stuff. Well, 95 percent of the stuff that goes through that uh, federal legislature, uh, you know, not a hand is raised. It's it's corporate welfare. It's it's uh, it's uh, sleazy deals that you know uh, countermand uh, environmental regulation. It Military military funding, and and it's uh, which is another form of corporate welfare, and and no one raises a hand about. There's five percent of the time there's some kind of social issue, and the Democrats get to seem like uh, our big champions. But other than that, there's there's far too much bipartisan stuff, and and that's because there's just such a large amount of stuff. Where we're just not representative. That, uh, representative. That's why when Bernie Sanders got out and just spoke sort of basically about, you know, actual stuff that would have been normal when FDR was around or something. Yeah. We've moved so, I mean, we've moved so far to the right, the New Hampshire primary is now held in the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> but, but, you know, it's just, it, it's just what it is. But here's the thing. And this is what I learned from my friend, the late historian uh, Howard Zinn, who sort of mentored me. And that was election day, go down, take the few minutes you can to try to do the least amount of damage you can do, and and then uh, accept to 
you know, forces of evil. And, and do the best you can. Go in, do, put your vote in, but then see what happens and hold everyone's feet to the fire and get back to the real politics, which are, you know, on the streets. And that doesn't mean in some sort of like, you know, this roving, uh, you know, band of, you know, uh, 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 anarchists, except that we're anarchists in the sense that we deal with things on a case-by-case basis and we rise up. And, and when we do that, you see some things change, some language change, some people at least pretend to care about stuff. Most recently, we've seen that with Black Lives Matter. And, you know, there was a big response to Occupy, but of course the response was to destroy the right to assemble in this country, and it was done... Uh, when the Obama campaign 12 became basically took over, Occupy happened in the fall of 11, and then in the spring of 12, it, it became Occupy Spring, which was directly owned by the Obama campaign. And then when Obama was reelected, his attorney general, uh, Holder, went out and destroyed the right to, you know, free assembly, basically, so that never again will those pigs on Wall Street have to have their limos pull up to the back door, you know, because, you know, it's impossible to do what those kids did, but those kids did a smart thing. For once, they didn't go to Washington. They didn't foster the myth that you get any response or action from those people. They went and made lives miserable for the people who who own them and who own Washington and who make our lives miserable. Yeah, that is interesting. So... So they folded into Bernie eventually. A lot of it ended up in the Bernie campaign. And, you know, and Bernie's not perfect, but he spoke to stuff. They got a big response from people because he identified the correct monster. It wasn't the people getting the free cheese who were putting us away. It, you know, it was the, you know, with the rats who are the big cheeses. Yeah. You know, that is the problem. Yeah. And so... Uh, that was, you know, what's really most disappointing about this year is we had our first chance to elect a relatively progressive president in a long time. I mean, maybe in sort of an international sense, you know, like we would have been much closer to having a left and a right like they do in much of the rest of the world uh, than we do here. And, uh, and when people saw the benefits of, you know, sort of, uh, making sure that, you know, making sure that, you know, a high tide rose all boats instead of, you know, instead of, you know, fencing off the seashore from the, from the punters, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that was it. Did I use punters correctly there? I yeah. only picked this up from Billy Bragg over the years, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know. That seems to work. Um, what would you? Uh, what would you? By the way, when I toured with Billy before we got to every got to every town, I just would make an announcement to the band. Okay, we're, this is this is Cleveland, and I apologize in advance. The tea here sucks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, we've made advances with tea since then, though. Who in the states? Yeah, I th- from what I hear. Right. You know, I don't. I don't. I, I no need to alienate the Irish people with my. You know, if I'm drinking tea, I'm sick. Right. Okay. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mock tea too much well. when you're here now. No, no tea. I, 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 and there's two types of tea. One is Barry's. There's Barry's tea and there's Lyons tea, and that's like, that's like Republicans versus Democrats. You know, that's right party lines like. Oh, what, what's the tea? Which one do I drink? Uh, well, it's either Barry's or Lyons, and whichever and, one and you who's pick. Barry? Bar- like it's just called Barry's Tea. That's one brand. Is that right or left? Um, <laughs> I <That's> don't right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, I I think I'm a Lions man myself. So that's the lefty. Yeah, damn go it. at Lions. Go at Lions. So my name is on the. Damn it. Barry's Tea. Yeah, okay. it's yours. Someone brought me a thing of that once. It's probably still sitting in there. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Does I, I, I prefer. Get I've better with age. I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> Some vintage berries too. Uh, um, so I'm sure, it's haven't changed at all, though. Uh, what hasn't? It's views. If it's right wing. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I mean, you see what? Whoever they just always ask me. Well, have you ever even considered what they had to say? Yeah, in like the early '60s when I was a little kid. 
And, you know, I just realized that Thomas Paine and Nixon didn't have a lot in common. But, I mean, that's the United States for it. We don't even know. There's not a statue to t- Thomas Paine in Washington, D.C. There would be no, you know, there'd be nothing without it. It would be like not having anything, to put, you know, Michael Collins or whatever. Just, what? You got a, you'd probably get a chair We don't for even know where he's buried. Really? Yeah. Wow. No one's sure where, there's some ideas, but it spans a few continents. Maybe he's still alive. Uh, <laughs> just barely. <laughs> but yeah, you know. What would I you? Mean, he gets mentioned. It's hilarious. He gets mentioned more by the real super reactionaries than anyone, and he was as progressive as they ever came. You know? Yeah. Um, what would you, if you were to oversaw the government, would you? What what kind of plan would you put him? Like what what? How would you make things better? Like. Oh, I would just. I would. I would. You know. Full anarchy? I would, I would actually call to the Defense Department, okay, we'll defend ourselves, you know. But we don't defend ourselves by having bases and so on all over the world. Right. And we aren't Hessians for corporations. Mm. And right away that would charge change, make a sort of a major change because if we weren't there to kind of back up in one way or the other or prop up those that sell out, you know, the rest of the world, you know, I mean, you know, as Bruce Coburn put it, the paid-off local bottom feeders. If we weren't paying off the local bottom feeders, it would change a lot of stuff. And uh, I think Dennis Kucinich, the former Ohio congressman who ran for president a few times, had a good idea of having a peace department. Mm. Um, and I would just, you know, I would, uh, I would, uh, I would certainly do everything. To immediately protect our greatest natural resource, and that is water. These people talk about we're too dependent on foreign oil. We'll wait till we're too dependent on foreign water. Mm. Um, and I mean, there's a whole bunch of stuff to do, but insane environmental stuff, big jobs programs, cleaning up the mess we're in, including the mess. You know, the most toxic places in this country, the biggest cancer clusters, can be found either near either military bases or uh, nuclear waste production facilities that are known as power plants. Um, you know, that's, those are big jobs. And then, and, then, and then put in a big program about, you know, renewable uh, energy and, 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 you know, start building railroads and stuff, mass transit, not mass murder, um, and, uh, and, and emphasize children's rights and safety, because if children grow up in a world where they don't have to make sense of it by hating themselves, because no one else takes the rap for how terrible they feel, you know, they're going, their minds and their hearts are going to be aligned, and they're not going to be, uh, you know, so easily, uh, such easy prey for, you know, the stupidity of the bigotry, impatience, and, and, and so on, that, that the that's at the heart of far too much uh, of the political activity in this country. Yeah. You know, I mean, we basically respond to the, you know, the dog whistle, the irritated, you know, like, you know the problem with these people? The minute they start with that stuff, it's some guy, they're all whining. You're whining. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but you're the dad, so we're stuck. It's like, it's time we get to, this country's been around long enough, we got to get out of the back seat and stop having, you know, stop letting this, this, you know, mean father driving us to somewhere we don't want to go yelling at us about how he's going to come back and hit us, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, so that's, the, I mean, that's kind of covering a little ground there, but... And how, know, would, just, how would it actually look? Like, how would the setup, would there be a president? Would there be a two-party system? How would that... Well, I also, I mean, we would have a much more, I, I, I would go with a parliamentary system because the either-or stuff doesn't work. Because yeah. it's much too easier for the, you know, for nefarious forces to buy everybody when the spectrum is so narrow, you know? It's just, uh, okay, all I have to do is corrupt two political parties. Well, they managed to do that. So, I mean, you know, even even though, though we go much further to the right than we go to the left in this country, even those Tea Party people don't really get a lot of what they expect, because when it comes down to it, they're still beholden to the Republican Party. Although there is a, you know, a struggle 
for the soul of the Republican Party right now, which I believe is being done with you know uh, electron microscopes and tweezers. <laughs> but um, uh, 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 there's you know there's just not there's just there's just too many times when our our, our well-being isn't even considered. I mean, you know, where where what matters to us isn't even on the table. Well, in a case in point. We had what was called health care reform in this country. And on day one, they eliminated the, even the idea, even the discussion of single-payer. Yeah. Because that was a very Clinton-like thing to do, and that was, you know, eliminate the competition because you wouldn't do well against it if there was any sort of option. Uh, so what they did was they had the very entities uh, that caused the crisis through their profiteering and scurrilous behavior, uh, at the table, handling the reform, the, you know, the the mice reform, the cheese factory, you know, they and all they did was rearrange the boondoggle. I don't need insurance. I need care. Mm. I don't need my health care decisions made in a thirty-story high building with not one person with a stethoscope in it. Yeah, you know, and with paper with all that, it only has one line on it, and it's at the bottom. You know, I just don't. I, that, 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 when you look at that. I mean, we're an embarrassment. A country with the wealth and the resources that we have, you know, you know, basically, it's just designed to, you know, to steal your home if someone gets really sick. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's just, and it's gone on, it's gone on forever. And there's stuff, there's a lot of stuff people can be cured of, but only, you know, only people with high, high-end plans get it you know it's just ridiculous but you know have a missile system test a missile system and have it fail and the next day we will get this right you know we will put seven jillion more dollars into this thing that oh god hope you know we just hope we never have to use it yeah it's yeah i mean we're still manufacturing nuclear weapons every day they're unusable by any and and, 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 and all they do is sit here and rot and that's the those are the nukes that truly threaten the American people. Yes. Are more, much more likely to do serious damage to us and already do damage to us with the cancer clusters and so on. But the every, you know, outside of the few that were tested and the two that were used in Japan, uh, every other one is here in some form or another sort of rotting. That's another big government program we could have to clean up that mess. Yeah, it's a mess, all right. I, yeah, I was but no one ever, what, what, what happened was Carter actually made the mistake of pointing out some things that were wrong with the country, and then, you know, they rather than deal with it, uh, they came along with Reagan, who said everything's fine. Yeah. And it's been downhill ever since then. But if, had we dealt with some of the stuff Carter mentioned, we'd be in a lot better shape now. You know, we'd be a lot better shape environmentally. We'd be in a lot better shape, you know, in in a lot of in a lot of different ways. Yeah. But uh, you know, we've just become a dumb, you know, nationalistic whatever. So when I say I want to overthrow, the, like I would never get into a shooting battle. I would never, I would never suggest you know violent means for the overthrow. I you know kid about because I don't have any chance to do that. But but. Uh, I do think that we could, re- we really can make a lot of change when everyone catches on. I think, you know, I think that what ha- is happening in the st- poorest streets of this country this summer, as a result of the Black Lives Matter movement, m- are much more important than what happened in either one of those convention halls uh, filled with fixers. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it, it does seem a bit scary, though, considering it's one of the potential scary. options. Uh, no, I mean, of course, Trump is clearly running for dictator. Yeah, he know, he doesn't spell out any details. He says, and he says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. He's a guy who never even speaks in terms of you know, of the government as it's set up. Mm. He doesn't talk about it like there's three parts of the government, so you know, one part can't really take over. And he's like, he acts as if you get the presidency, you just do what you want. Yeah, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And it's not that. Yeah, that's all he ever says. Yeah. Well, that's how he thinks. Because, I mean, he's literally that illiterate. <laughs> you know, I, I don't think he even really has a good idea. You no. Know? Well, and, I mean, it's, 
Dope yeah. up there calling everybody stupid. Everybody's stupid. You don't think so? Read the polls. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, he's a. I mean, he's ever single bully. Is he's a coward? Did you see him when he finally he got into a little beef with the Pope? He had never used a prepared statement until then. When then he had to come out, he's like rattling the paper, you know. And it's just you're such a badass. Here's what I'd say to the Pope: When I'm elected president, Pope, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to initiate a federal investigation using the RICO statutes, which are these statutes we have for breaking up uh, criminal conspiracies. Oh, great. <laughs> using, using the RICO statutes, uh, you know, uh, well, they absolutely apply. Yeah. You know, yeah. For, the, you know for the crimes this your church has done against children and then the, and then the fiscal crimes you've done uh, to protect yourself from having anyone collect a nickel, which is what they did. You know, I mean, they, some people have collected some money but they declare all these fake bankruptcies. The church is bankrupt. Really? It is, huh? And the Pope's a socialist. The Pope's a socialist? That's great. Could I have the keys to the vault? I'll help him start redistributing stuff. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's... You know? Like, I mean, you've got to be kidding me. You know, well, the guy that's the cardinal in New York, Dolan, in, in, in Milwaukee, he, he, was the, he was the bishop out there, and, and they... Uh, uh, they had a big settlement against them uh, for, for this school for blind kids, a Catholic-run school in Wisconsin for blind kids, who had been horrendously abused. Mm. They win the case, and Dolan, or Dolan, they found they they got a hold of the you know the exchanges between him and the Vatican. He says, "Well, I'll just hide all the money in a burial fund, and we won't be collectible." And he did it. If the CEO of IBM got caught doing that after a settlement had been, you know, uh, made, uh, you know, after a legal settlement had been ordered, that he, he would at least be taken away in handcuffs. He probably wouldn't spend any time in jail, but at least there'd be a big embarrassment and, you know, and there would, and there would be, you know, there would be some sort of, among other things, they would have to make things good to those death kids if IBM did it, you know, but the, but this guy doesn't, and he becomes arguably the you know the biggest you know Catholic in the United States, the, 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 the you know uh, the cardinal in New York, who gets who got mentioned you know in the last the last time they needed a, a new pope when the other pope got too pooped to pope. <laughs> uh, I like that expression. <laughs> yeah, but that does but it for it, me. It, <laughs> but it's it's. But I mean, it was—it's just so ham-handed and so scandalous. But they just own everybody. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm completely with you on the um, the closing the Catholic Church thing. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with you on that. Um, but I, I think, I think for me, like all problem, all religions have a problem, and one of the oh, biggest. Oh well, of course, of course. Of the, I just happen to be from this one. Yeah. Oh, same. same me, me too. Um, but I, I think one of the biggest problems with it is this idea that you can't criticize a religion or, or this, you have to respect somebody's right. thoughts on this thing. And I, I, right, I don't understand use, why that it's is. It's interesting. They use God as a human shield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Which, I, isn't that blasphemous? I'm not sure. <laughs> and by the way, I'm not committing on that front anyway because that just leads to more arguments. Yeah. Yeah, it does. You know, oddly enough, there's no one more evangelical than an atheist. But well, I don't know. I don't well, know. I mean, then some atheists. Yeah. Just, you must not believe what I don't believe. I go like you're asking me to sign up, you know, for a major on a campus that you don't think should be accredited. Yeah, just, yeah. And, and and I'm just buying into that argument. It's an Asian land war. It never ends. Yeah, well, I think the you know from I suppose an atheist point of view, it's it's just not not believing in something until you have a, have some sort of reason to. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of, yeah, I'm a lapsed agnostic. R- right. Everyone trying to figure out what that means. Yeah. I can, <laughs> so you fall off the fence. As much obfuscation as I could come up with with a little joke. Huh? <laughs> um, but I know some wonderful people who have faith. Oh, of course. And I don't want to say stuff that interests them. No, no, I, I, and I do too, but yeah, I, I just don't know why 
we're not allowed to talk about it. That's I just don't. No. I've never understood that. Well, well, what I mean, I always go after you know the front office. Leave alone there. Sorry, the what? I I always go after the front office, the Catholic Church. Yes. And but but leave you know you know priests and above fine nuns and above, fine but you know I go after but I but I leave the you know I leave the parishioners alone I leave the laity uh, whatever yeah you know yeah, I, I just don't I don't need to injure someone gain some strength from something whatever fine I'll try to make a reason case for them that you know you you know well you can still have your you can still have some sort of spirituality without, you know, paying tribute to yes. these people who have, you know, have really just sort of, you know, we're smart enough to, you know, change the name of the Inquisition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not bad marketers. Look at that. And that's what the new, the new guy's job is to change the subject and not the church. Yes, yeah, he's you know, the, the, but cool the pope. You know, I mean, there's stuff, there's, you know, I know he's concerned about climate change everywhere, but the church, where, <clears throat> you know, he still sends out his emissaries to Geneva to tell the UN hearing that, you know, child rape isn't torture. Yeah. Well, yeah. I survived child rape, and I'm here to tell you it is, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And they're still training young bishops to think, that it's not necessarily their job to uh, report, you know, these people to civil authorities. They're still doing that. I mean, that came out this year. Yeah. So, you know, and they're still moving. Uh, you know, nobody really gets punished. They just get moved somewhere else and all this <laughs> kind of nonsense. Right. right. It's like the Boy Scouts. You, after what we've caught you doing, you can no longer be the head of Troop 175. However, Troop 176 needs a guy. Yeah, you know? yeah. Except now that that moving is less within countries and more internationally, and, and a lot of these creeps are being sent to the third world, and here we go. Yeah, it starts again. Yeah. How how do you uh, kind of how do you find how do you <laughs> I don't even have to ask this question, but how do you f- still be funny in the face of all this? Like when when you're thinking about w- whatever it is, religion or p- politics or or just you know the way countries are run and everything being swept under a rug, it's kind of, it's infuriating and and you deal yeah. with it all the time. Um, yeah. But, but you also have to be funny about it. Um, well, because the truth is very funny, generally, you know. And it's funny to actually hear when people kind of, when they, you know, they don't, they may not really think about what, I mean, not, not, not to say that I am this, anyone who, never trust anyone who claims sole possession of the truth. You know, because they're nuts. Yes. But, but you know, you can be truthful, and you can be honest, and you can, and you cannot, and you can avoid taking shortcuts that leave big flaws in in, in the case you make. Um, but by doing that, you you do you end up doing something that isn't done that much, and so there's this there's this sort of humor. My God, he said that. <laughs> You know, <laughs> and whole, oh my God, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. You know, and so uh, it, it keeps you going. I mean, I, you know, my goodness, I don't think Ireland would be there without their wonderful, the wonderful wit, you know, yeah. of, of, uh, of, uh, that's, that's always been there and, and, and remains, you know, uh, and some of it is sort of like grim resignation, yeah. But, uh, but some of it is obstinate uh, refusal to comply, right? And, and you know, uh, Twain said nothing can withstand the assault of ridicule. Mm. And Seems. so you know, so it's my job to be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, like which does does one come more natural than the other to you between you know being funny and, um, I suppose, giving out <laughs> for want of a better term. Uh, you mean you mean just get or quitting? N- no, no, sorry. Uh, like, or just being. Well, I mean, here's the thing I do that upsets people sometimes is 
I'll go out and I'll earn, you know, I'll prove, you know, I'll prove that I'm a strong, you know, that I, that I'm not in the wrong line of work. Right. And, and, I, and I feel like I bank a lot of stuff with an audience. And then I'll hit a point where I will say stuff for a minute or two that's, you know, not necessarily that funny, but just isn't being said. Right. And then I'll, have, I'll pull a little string that says, I remember I'm supposed to be the funny guy here, and I'll get a laugh to get to move on to the next thing. But it's a skill. It's a talent. It took, you know, it took a, long, a while to develop it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I know how to do it. But I think funny. I can't explain it, but it's how I communicate. Yeah. I think it's this way of putting these little these little uh, tests. If you get a laugh, you can tell they got your point. Right. And so... And, and humor is pretty much the best way to communicate everything, uh, I think, anyway. Yeah, it stays with people, and it's easy to pass around. I mean, my, my greatest hit joke in the United States... Is this thing we have this love it or leave it element in the country, right? You know, and so one night an audience member gets mad at me and screams, "If you don't love this country, why don't you get out of it?" Okay. And I just came back with, "Because I don't want to be victimized by its foreign policy." <laughs> and that has been an applause-based joke in the U.S. I mean, I have to. If I don't do it, people are mad at me. It's like Warren Zevon not playing Werewolves of London. Right. I have to do the joke. Really. Uh, yeah, because it scratched such an itch. Yeah. And in a way, I think like that pacifist joke I said to you a minute ago is the same sort of thing. Well, what about World War II? You know, like, they think these these rhetorical questions they ask you, are, they only ask them because they think you have no answer. Yes. And you just have to stay calm and give them the answer. And I learned that, you know, from great humorists, uh, especially... You know, Twain was a big influence on me. Mm. Where he just immediately took the opposite side and <laughs> made great sense of it. Yeah, yeah. And you know, and I think that speaks to the you know, there's something deep inside me that I think has something to do with my heritage. That's a little, uh, you know, resistant, non-compliant. Yes. You know, I think. I, I, tell you, I think a lot of my non-compliant nature is in my Irish blood. Where where do you get the uh, Irish blood from? Both sides of the family. Okay, right, okay. I'm a Crimmins, which I know were the Mac Crimmins who came over from Scotland at one point. But then, you know, my my mother's a Donovan, and, and the families are bad. And then there's the other grandparents are Nerys and the Hearns. And, oh, wow, you know. right. Very Irish yeah. then. So I'm, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. So, interesting. Yeah, yeah say St. Paddy's Day around my grandmother and you get a whack. St. Paddy's Day? Yeah, because Paddy was a real derisive term when she was young. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, Paddy Wagon, yeah, she was not happy with those such right. such terms. There's, so. there's actually a big tour bus operator here now called Paddy Wagon going around the place. Yeah, You'll wow. see it when you're my here. grandmother would be enraged. <laughs> Yeah, because my people came here during the Irish need not apply. You know, right? Period. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we've we seem to have embraced the paddy thing, but uh, <laughs> we uh, yeah, which is all right. But I got I, my training is otherwise, and Twain said we can overcome everything but our training. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, how long are you going to stay here for? It's going to be a quick hit this time, but I hope it goes well. And I can come back because I'd like to play. A lot. I'd like to, you know, I'd like a chance to to come over there and spend more time there, and in, truthfully, in, in uh, the UK too. But I, uh, I have a lot of. Since the movie came out, I've been hearing an awful lot from people in Ireland, mm. and and they're asking me if I'm playing a variety of places over there. Right. So I'm just hoping to come and make a good showing <laughs> and uh, connect yes. and. And then have reason to come back. But also, there's some other things. I mean, I, I, when I have time, I'll come back and just hang around not to work. You know, uh, I've always wanted to. Like I said, twice I was supposed to come and just other things came up. Once I ended up touring with uh, Jackson Brown, you know. Oh, um, right. Yeah. So um, just things came up. 
and it's the I don't know it's it's the place I've been trying to get to the most for the longest. I'll tell you something when I see photographs of Ireland or film of Ireland or whatever it it speaks to me. I live in a very rural area, and when my friends, my friend uh, Chris Byrne, who's a uh, he had a band called Shanaki and the Unity Squad, and he was also in Black 47. And he came up to my house with a few of his pals, and uh, they they were astonished by how much upstate New York called to mind the patchwork farming and so on in, in Ireland. Oh, right. so, so I really feel a bond to, you know, sort of a rural nation yeah. uh, or a rural life. Yeah. And uh, and I want time to examine that over there. Um, and there's some things going on going on that might make put me a little better because it's not it's not a, becoming a left wing political satirist during the Reagan era wasn't isn't the financial bonanza <laughs> <laughs> people might think it was <laughs> um, didn't lead to the riches that you might think, but. Uh, um, there's some stuff going on now. Goldthwait, Goldthwait said he wanted to make another movie. Originally, he wanted to make a narrative film about me, you know, dramatize. Oh, right. Star- starring you or? No, 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 no. Well, that, that no, no. <laughs> I'm no, I'm I'm such a bad actor. I can't play myself. Okay. <laughs> but I'm also a little old for the part now. All right. But um, no. Uh, but at all the film festivals, he kept saying. Oh, we got to do. I, I still want to do that narrative film about you, and I just said, "Yeah," because I just haven't been examined enough. And <laughs> two days before I go, we were ready to shoot the special for uh, Louis C.K. in Lawrence, Kansas. Bob calls me and says, "Looks like we're going to do it." Oh. And I said, "Really?" I said, "How are we going to do it? Because it's film, it's money. How are we going to do it?" He says, "Well, Judd Apatow wants to do it." Wow! So just yesterday, I had a phone call with him for about an hour and a half. Where we're sort of going upwards in the preliminary stages, but it looks like that might happen. Amazing. And that one, if that happens, it'll at least free me up so that I don't have to spend, you know, I might not be able to, I might just be able to travel without having to travel and work. But, you know, I wouldn't mind going over there and doing a few, but hanging around for, you know, a week or a couple of weeks or a month or something. Yeah, of course, yeah. Because uh, you're just coming into, I mean, uh, and depending on how things break here, <laughs> yeah, you might have to emigrate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. might have to complete the loop for my family. If you move to one um, of uh, Trump's Trump's golf courses over here, you'll probably be uh, immune to the foreign well, policy. You know, you know, I think there's probably some people over there who know what to do about that. <laughs> 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 uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to hurt people or whatever, but you know, a golf course. I might be able to sleep after that (laughs) you know wow Uh, there's nowhere to buy a shirt for $139 (laughs) Uh, that's that's, you know pink and green Um, so you know I've been really looking for I've been trying to figure out how to get booked over there for years really And, and then I got the London thing and then this just got tagged on so this is just a really quick hit, but it gives me a chance to get there and, and sort of, you know, uh, introduce myself and get to know, you know, you folks a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but I spent a lot of time, my friend Chris had a bar in New York called, he still does, it's in Brooklyn now, but it was in Manhattan. He got gentrified out of Manhattan, but uh, uh, called Rocky Sullivan's, and we did shows there for a couple of years. And it was a very great place where a lot of the, you know, American American um, uh, people uh, who were writers but with an Irish background uh, uh, would come. And so I got a much better dose of my uh, heritage there than I had, and it made me that much more. And, that, and Chris and those people kept telling me I needed to go to Ireland and people would like me. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely. I think it's so, going to go down very well. I'm I'm uh, I'm very excited. It's you know uh, I'm just very excited. There's something you know that I mean. I just feel that there's a primal. I have a primal connection to the place, and I'm and I'm re- you know really looking forward to officially making it. 
Yeah, well, unfortunately, you won't see much of the urban stuff if you're just flying into Dublin and back out again. But um, yeah, I think you'll have a great time anyway. This, the, it's in the Sugar Club. It's a really good venue. Yeah. Uh, so you'll have a nice time. Yeah, um, I think I'll go have a beer at that bar from you know twelve hundred, eleven ninety eight, or whatever it is too. Oh, the Brazen Head. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, providing they've washed the glasses since. <laughs> I don't know if they had glasses. <laughs> I just think the place is owned by uh, by people who could never really make up their mind on redecorating. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's yeah. it's um, it's actually. Out, Stephen Wright it? told me to go there, though. Oh, he was there. Yeah, Stephen Wright told me. Okay, I had to go there. Well, that 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 bar claims, I think, to be the oldest pub in in Europe, and then there's another yeah. bar in Dublin that claims to be the oldest pub in Ireland. So <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. But, um, yeah, right. There's a few old pubs but, around the place. Well, I was excited about playing London first because I didn't even have Ireland. And I was like, all right, I get to play Europe. And then a couple of days later, oh, I guess I'm not even playing Europe. So. You're not playing? What? Well, no, it's, these are Brexit jokes. Oh, so. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before, Europe, before Ireland. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Ireland is still in uh, Europe. We're still proud to be part of Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and by the way, if they still haven't figured out what to do with that nineteen billion from Apple, I'd be happy just for the sake of peace to take it. Yeah, and 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 spread it spread it among some of us, maybe. Uh, well, my plan was just to use it to amortize uh, some of the money I've spent on Apple computers, <laughs> <laughs> Max, in the last twenty five years. Yeah, it, like power power it, codes. It would, it would pay back a good you know quarter of the money I spent on them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> iPhones and so on. So uh, well, we will consider you so for that. All right, all yeah. right. Well, you know, just for the sake, of, you know, peace, the Irish peace mix. I really look forward to coming to Dublin. What yes, a, we're looking forward to see you. Thing. I mean, and to you know, set my feet on the old sod will be uh, you know one of the great moments. Uh, yeah. Uh, ever. So. Get yourself some potatoes and a pint of Guinness, and you'll be. Yeah, that, that's right. I like them both. <laughs> Now getting around it. Here you oh, tweeted at okay. the uh, you tweeted at the Pope there. Please excommunicate me. Oh, every day. Oh, did you? <laughs> I tweet the Pope every day. I've tweeted the Pope for about twelve hundred days in a row. <laughs> Have you ever got a reply? Demanding excommunication, quite simply because it just puts the law. This is you're, you're threatening my soul seriously with what I know you've done. Yes. You yeah. know, hey, this is your biggest thing. Good. Do your worst. <laughs> and by the way, this isn't your worst. I know what your worst. Yeah. But, you know, the idea that, that someone that would cover up the kind of crimes that have been done against children and people, I mean, you know, it could be argued that the Catholic Church has done more damage to Ireland than the Brits. Oh, I would, yeah, I, I think yeah. so. They permeate every level of the society. Yeah. You know, and they still I mean, do. not that they I still need do. to tell you that, but I mean, everywhere you turn, if you have a problem, once they got you, they got you. Talk about just the ultimate fixed situation. Absolutely. And just the stuff they've done, and, and the, you know, the horrid stuff with the laundries and oh, orphanages and the terrible. child labor, and, you know, and the, and the sexual assaults, and, you know, a lot of the women that had these children were impregnated by priests, just my god it just goes on it's, it's still it's happening on. at the moment there's a, like abortion is still illegal here completely in all instances yeah. um, so you know there's a big campaign at the moment to repeal that the 8 is the law and and that's a direct that's the number 8 is that what that is repeal the 8 yeah it's the 8th amendment to to that law in the okay. constitution or whatever it's called um, but uh, yeah that's the uh, that's a that's a direct ancestor of the Catholic's power here you know the Catholic well, Church's power well of course of course, that, I mean, they, they just control every level, so it permeates the government everywhere else. Yeah. Just, and most but, schools here are still Catholic schools, and that needs to be sorted out as well. Yeah, and the and and the, just the crime wave against you, you know, our people mm. committed by that church for so long, and you know, in a way, providing ample cover for the Brits. Uh, at times, you know, well, that was crazy, you know, and, you know, the, uh, no one's allowed to see the hypocrisy of the, the church. Mm. Uh, it's sort of international. So, I mean, I've seen some of that over the years. You know, right. and I, you know, at that point, I end up having to defend the case. It's like, 
you know, it's like I'm to the left of Obama, but, you know, I'm continually defending him against these racists. Yes, yeah. Yeah. But that's why, I mean, I, I try to go after the real power in the church and not the people in the pews. Yeah, of course, yeah. No, I, I, that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um, but the idea that they go out and, you know, close, they close the church, my aunt goes, they basically in the United States, they do this thing where they close down parishes, and it's clearly, they make it seem like it's a direct result of having had to pay a settlement. And what they do is they make everyone hate and blame rape victims, uh-huh. you know. That's about as scummy as you can get, particularly when, absolutely. you know, yeah, they're running real, look, sell a chalice, you know? Yeah. I well, mean, have you ever been to the Vatican? It's disgraceful. You know, yeah. they could sell one uh, painting there and sort everything out. Yeah, I haven't been to the Vatican. They have, they've installed crimins detectors. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I don't know if I can go without something happening but uh yeah it's it's <coughs> i mean there's I mean, so much great art but it's actually quite uncomfortable that you can see how about all the stuff that hasn't been seen for Absol- centuries and absolutely. centuries the yeah. plunder great yeah absolutely you know well how about at least letting humanity see that stuff yeah you know instead of secreting it away but it's all greed you yeah. know the bottom line there is greed you know i mean and uh, that's all these cover-ups are about, is protecting. They don't want to lose a, a, you know, a shackle. It's just terrible. It's yeah. just, it's an embarrassment. But the resistance that has developed in Ireland over the last decades, in particular since that report came out, uh, what was that called? Uh, I think it might like be the Murphy Report, is it? Or the Mur- um. like a, it's like a... It's like a St. Patrick's Day in South Boston, you yell Sully, and everybody turns around. <laughs> it could be Murphy, um, but uh, I don't. I, I don't know. But it, you know, it went back decades. Yeah, the crime, the crime wave against the Irish people by the Catholic Church. Uh, well, they bravely took on the Brits and drove them out, and you know, next, okay, next. <laughs> That's what I think. But uh, I understand. You know the. I expect I might hit a little resistance there, but that's okay. I I know I've got a lot of support. I know that a lot of people really saw Call Me Lucky and had a had a very positive, you know, sort of visceral response to it. Uh, it really moved people over there. And my friend uh, Goldthwait, uh made quite a quite a brave film for this stage of the game because we're really in the foothills of this movement about children's rights and safety and uh, this is like a really hip civil rights movie made in 1956 in the United States you know I mean or uh, that movie Spotlight was a wonderful film but it was about journalism and it's sort of the movie about South Africa where the where the uh, white people are catching on that apartheid is it wasn't such a good thing but (laughs) Uh, Call Me Lucky was basically shot in the townships. Yes, you know? yeah. Uh, it was in Soweto. You know? So um, I, I think it stands up and I think it speaks very much. I know it does to people who have uh, suffered injustice, particularly at a young age. And I've heard from so many people from Ireland, mm. uh, and they say they've taken strength from the film. I certainly have taken plenty of more than my share of strength back from them. And that's one another reason I really want to get over there. Yeah. Um, great. Well, I first heard you, I think, on Mark Marin, And then uh, oh, yeah. I watched the film as soon as it came out. And I thought it was, it was brilliant. Like, you know, kind of at some points hard to, hard to watch, but, you know, really powerful. Yeah. Um, uh, I was in the play. That was really tough to get through. <laughs> <laughs> but I think I think it's an important thing you did, and uh, so so well done, and thank you for that. And uh, we're really looking forward to seeing you over here. So okay, um, yeah, it's on Netflix. If anybody wants to see it, yeah, yeah, that's that's where I watch it. Netflix Sugar Club, and uh, I hope everybody does come out because it'll be kind of embarrassing to have all this build up and then have nine people show up. <laughs> well, we'll we'll give loads of plugs on uh, on our site and social media and stuff, and okay. um, we'll, well we'll give all the details in the outro to the podcast. So thank hopefully. you very much. And yeah, when you, when this comes out, let me know, and I'll plug it with my social media. Okay, you know, cool. Team, which is me. <laughs> um, and I can't thank you enough for having me. Thanks for being so generous with your time. 
So that was Barry Crimmins on the Headstuff podcast. Uh, I still have Paddy here for us on mic. Hello, hello. Against his will. Um, but he's comfortable enough. You're comfortable enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you should definitely go see Barry if you can. He's either on tomorrow night or tonight, depending on when you're listening to this. But it's Tuesday, the 27th of September, and it's in the Sugar Club. Um, so, and and as you can hear there, he's an absolute legend. So it's been it's been a long time since our last episode, um, and the reason for that is because we're gonna make some changes around here, and. Uh, we're gonna we'll put out a little a very short episode uh, soon explaining what that change is going to be. Uh, the change hasn't happened yet. This episode wasn't really any different to the previous episodes, but soon they'll be different. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. So uh, we'll be back to explain what that is. Connor will be here to help, and um, and until then, I don't know. Don't 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 wait for the next episode because we don't know when it's going to be. <laughs> But uh, thanks for listening to this one. Go see Barry. Uh, thanks for to him for coming onto the podcast. Thanks to Video Blue for the uh, theme tune, to Mikey for the artwork, to Paddy for sitting here silently on, on the microphone. Do you have anything you're, you want to say? You're very welcome. You're okay. Uh, all right. Good luck. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.